Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Securing Bridges podcast. You're about to join Alyssa Miller as she sits down with senior and executive security leaders to share stories of success and failure while working across business teams. It's time to build and secure the bridge to the business. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Well, welcome aboard, everybody. Here we are once again. It's Securing Bridges, and I'm Alyssa Miller. Um, so we've reached that point now where I have no idea what number episode we're on anymore. <laughs> it's, it's gone that well. We were that far along. I'm excited. It's great. We have had some amazing guests on this show. Hopefully, you've, you've been able to check them out. Just a reminder, if you missed an episode, we do have the recordings available. You can also check it out on podcast format. So... Be sure to do that because up till now, every guest we've had has been just amazing, exciting, new adventures, things I never would have expected have come up on this show. And I'm really excited for this week's guest because we are going to go something exciting and new, a little bit different direction than maybe some of you would have expected once again. And that's how we perform to keep things going because there are so many facets when we talk about cybersecurity in this world that we live in. And thank you for pointing out show 10, apparently. So here we are, 10th episode, and we are coming out with a bang because this week we have with us Dr. Olivia Snow. Hey, how are you? Hey, all right. How are you? <laughs> I am doing good. I Seriously, this is exciting. I'm loving Loving everything we've been able to do on this show, and this week is going to be super cool. So let's tell our viewers why it's going to be super cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, one reason it's going to be super cool is the second we started recording, my dog turf started acting up. So sorry, I'm going to be going back and forth. We absolutely <laughs> support fur babies on the show. Yes. She gets really jealous when I'm like teaching on Zoom. and Stop it. Okay. Uh, so my name, I'm uh, Dr. Olivia Snow. Um, I research uh, sex work, tech, and policy currently at UCLA's Center for Critical Internet Inquiry. Um, I am also a professor and a dominatrix. <laughs> um, okay, Lucy, you will behave. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am... Um, so I kind of stumbled ass backwards into this position. Um, you know, I got my PhD uh, about like five years ago and the academic job market is even worse than the regular job market, which as we all know is dog shit. Um, so I started, uh, well not started, but you know, I've been in sex work for on and off about 15 years and you know, returned to it uh, back in 2019. Uh, of necessity over the summer because we don't get paid over the summer because academia is garbage um and <laughs> made the mistake of disclosing to my uh academic mentor from graduate school uh what i was doing for work over the summer because she asked um so in response she uh withdrew all of her letters of recommendation for me um so if you're an academic you know you need typically need three letters of rec to apply to tenure track jobs um oh and she didn't even tell me so i just like found out when i was trying to apply for a job um all of this being a really curious decision to make when you're dealing with a dominatrix 
like I'm a professional sadist. What the fuck are you doing? So I wrote about it and canceled her in the Chronicle of Higher Education. Now she's a Husker performer herself. Um, but <laughs> that went viral. And, you know, I've since uh, shifted my research focus, which was like labor studies, American studies to specifically sex work. And um, especially how tech, because this is tech might be our biggest predator, um, how, you know, tech tracks us and how to stay safe from that. There's like a, there's almost a, so first of all, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like I, it is, I mean, I think tech for all the good that it does, it creates so many abuse cases as well. In fact, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows my epic arguments about Apple and some of the, what I feel is their, their lack of responsibility in really anticipating and accounting for abuse cases. But I, I say it's ironic because, you know, at least, you know, I mean, thinking in terms of sex work, at least on the pornography side, if I feel like a lot of tech gets amplified because it's useful in that space. I mean, I've, I've made the joke mm -hmm. in my own conference talks, like you look at what accelerated the notoriety of deep fakes, what accelerated the notoriety of VHS for crying out loud, it was yeah. pornography. That's like, you know, uh, Pornhub. People think of Pornhub as like like the 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 dumpster of the internet and like getting spam on your, but like they have had such a robust content moderation system for years that, you know, because, because we're so hyper aware of our precarity like, you know, even legally, <laughs> that, um, yeah, we want to make sure that we're not, you know, putting anyone at risk or fucking up. You know, we're we're, we're going to be the first people to report if there's child sexual exploitation material, for example, because we don't want to, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we don't want that. But Well, right. Yeah. I mean, um, the yeah. reason that all the, you know, so many of the, I remember from the days with the old videotapes, right at the beginning was the disclaimer about all, all participants are over 18. And, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what all it said. But yeah, because that's been a concern, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And we're, we're the ones who, who really stand to lose from that. I mean, obviously, the victims portrayed more yes. of them than us. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, after that, like, you know, we need to keep ourselves platformed. Right. And, and that's, I mean, I look at the abuse cases and I think about, I mentioned like deep fakes before and people have seen me talk a lot about deep fakes. You know, I mean, the, one of the things that really brought them to the forefront was people making artificial pornography or artificial in the sense that content, person, I think we call it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the person they claimed was in this movie was right. not, that was not Emma Watson, you know, I mean, things like that. It's, but yet then the things that are there even to protect people, right? Like DMCA for the longest right. time, DMCA was actually protecting the deep fake creators claiming that they own the copyright to that content because they created the deep fake. And so I, again, so, I mean, thinking now in terms of the work you do, are, what types of things are you looking at? Because those are like some of the things I think of when I think about tech being abused, but I'm curious right. what some of the spaces are that you're looking at in your research. Well, so what um, is perhaps unique about um, my work is I, I'm not a content creator. You know, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't make clips. I don't, you know, do poor, I just, just don't. Um, so there's been a lot of research on, um, and you may know the the collective hacking hustling. 
Um, yeah, with uh, yeah. They, they've done a lot of work on algorithmic surveillance and you know how uh, oh, I'm getting so distracted with this fucking dog. You come here, <laughs> Jesus Christ! What the fuck was I even saying? Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of work already um, on how we're we're you know traced from platform to platform, which is its own like. Uh, kind of black box we don't know i mean because it's an algorithm but like that that's how algorithms work you know <laughs> like you tell it how to algorithm and then it, it goes into the algorithms um so we're not really you know we we have to rely on this kind of like anecdotal data so ha hacking hustling um has been doing a lot of that work but what i uh i specifically have been looking at is how um tech puts in-person workers specifically at risk and how tech survey or how yeah tech surveys us um like in real life you know i think a lot of people we think about like twitter and smartphones and you know i don't know ben, ben whatever um tracking us via our internet usage but you know paypal has been tar sniffing out and banning sex workers for 20 years like way longer than social media has even existed. And there is no real, like how, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no, no one really knows how we're found out, I guess, in a way, especially pre-social media. Um, so, you know, I'm looking into what, what exactly um, is really tracing us and, you know, this, the, the work is really, um, I don't want to say difficult, because but like, you know, we have to rely on, uh, Lucy, you come back here. Hey, I, she's not usually this bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, See, people, completely genuine show. I mean, this is what it's about. Yeah, no, no eating barf. Jesus. The cat's acting up too, needless to say. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's what's difficult difficult about the research is that you know quantitative research is usually privileged in in STEM spaces. Right. People want to see hard like Zuckerberg's like even said, I will only look at quantitative research. And that just doesn't exist for um for this kind of work. Cause like like there's there's no way of, of <laughs> you know figuring it out. I think of like Elon Musk's um like demented diatribes about the algorithm or whatever. Um, like there, you know, there's not like we, we can't go and just look at the algorithm and like tell you the answer. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we rely exclusively on almost exclusively on qualitative data, and that makes it really difficult for people to to listen to us. Um, so oh, that makes me think of like so the way that I think I came on your radar um, was uh, DoorDash, right? So back in, I think it was March, maybe April, um, I, and this has happened to me multiple times. It actually happened to me once since that one happened. <laughs> but um, DoorDash booted me off the platform um, because I violated terms of service. And, you know, because I do this research, I know that it's because I'm a sex worker. Um, and, you know, I'll say that and people, especially other people in tech spaces who aren't who aren't sex workers um will say like well how do you know that that doesn't sound right no like no you must have violated terms of service you must have used someone else's credit card you know like trying to to explain that away um and you know have you ever heard of that happening to someone who's not a sex worker 
No, because <laughs> it doesn't. It only I'm has a loss. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, with when there are all these other sex workers saying like, shit, I got kicked off of Uber. I got kicked off of Instagram. Like I got kicked off of TikTok and I don't even make anything on TikTok. Like I, <laughs> um, there's a whole lot of pushback because there's no concrete data we can point to. That's like, look, here's a sex worker code. And once it figures out that you're selling sex, then... Then that's when Mr. DoorDash like, goes and deletes your account or whatever. Um, you know, this is, it, it's a very unusual, uh, like, methodology that we have to take, um, A, to get the data, but B, to get people to take it seriously, um, which I think is harder than, you know, especially now, um, harder than, you know, getting it. People don't want to believe it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, which, of course, always speaks back to the fact that to this day, sex work is this super taboo thing that society just, you know, we, we want to all pretend like it doesn't exist. And yet I would bet if you really did the studies, probably 95 to near a hundred percent of people have engaged in it either as you know, viewer or whatever else in some way. I mean, would you I mean, yeah. It? Who hasn't like, I don't know what 13 year old with an internet connection hasn't Googled boobs. Like, <laughs> exactly like <laughs> um or you know engage in transactional sex for you know if you need to crash somewhere for the night yeah and that's and that's just it but we don't we don't want to talk about right it. we don't want to right. legitimize it and of course that you know i mean i'm sure a lot of that we could argue all day or probably i don't think we would argue we'd probably agree yeah no we probably the sources of where that <laughs> comes from but right, but yeah. the reality is we we put people in a very dangerous place to begin with, just by the way that we treat this, you know, this industry. And then right. on top of it, we weaponize the, you know, a lot of this technology that, as we said, in many cases, you know, was amplified by that exact industry. Now that same technology is weaponized against the industry. And yeah. I know that you've had some experience with that, not just with DoorDash, but in other scenarios as well. Right. Yeah. And this is actually a really interesting question that just disappeared. And there we go. <laughs> um, how leading to additional harm uh, and tracking to the consumers of it. Oh, that's interesting. That's actually work that I haven't quite looked uh, so much into because, I mean, I think the answer is probably, but... Um, they really focus more on the workers, I think, because they know they can. Yeah. Um, so if you're a consumer, you have a lot more rights. You can, um, you know, you can, can <laughs> like, um, I, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to to, you know, but, but like it's not, it's not even like legal rights, but like as far as like social stigma goes. Yep. Um, like they can fuck with sex workers and no one gives a shit because no one gives a shit about sex workers. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, look at it. Yeah. I mean, how many people, you know, the difference between how somebody would look at, you know, say a dominatrix versus somebody who goes to visit one. Now, I'm not saying there right. won't be any backlash against somebody who, who visits one and, and, you know, is a consumer of those services. I mean, yeah, people, you'll know, act, you know, some people look at them like they're weirdos or whatever. You know, that, that kind of shittiness. But like as far as to inform you all, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as the dominatrix, it's like, yeah. you know, holy cow, like vilify. And, and so at the end of the day, yeah, if well, so and so got caught 
going to a dominatrix it's like okay you know whatever but that's like weird. which happens you know in movies or like if you're a politician but it in in the real world it's usually you know a brothel getting raided a dungeon getting raided a right. strip club getting raided. um you know one thing actually i did think about though with uh tracking is i noticed this um when i start i had both a uh, when I had a smartphone and also was working in a commercial dungeon, um, they usually you usually have to work like X scheduled shifts a week with you know other doms. Um, okay. That I would be on my way home, you know, and I'd be like dicking around on Facebook, and because we'd be in close physical proximity to each other, or because we'd be on the same Wi-Fi network, um, Facebook would then be doxing my coworkers to me by saying under people you may know um and and like i mean conveniently or maybe not conveniently but like sex workers are like i i I, sex workers are very good at minding their own business (laughs) like i don't want to know what a client's name is i don't want to know what a coworker's name is i as far as i'm concerned my coworker is named you know mistress chloe and that's it um so you know i'm happy to eject that information from my memory immediately um but, you know, it, it uh, on the flip side of that, that means also, you know, if a client spends a lot of time in a dungeon and is kicking around on Facebook on his way home, like I might be on my way home and then he sees who I am, then that puts me at a really increased risk of violence. Um, less so, like, I'm not going to go after a client. That's insane. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, and I, I follow that. And it's, what's interesting is, it, it puts you kind of on the forefront, in my opinion, of some things that like in general, you know, society in general could benefit from a lot of this work that you're doing because, you know, obviously sex workers being particularly sensitive industry for this because of what we've just been discussing. I mean, the, the societal views and the, the potential for violence and other things. But, you know, even outside of that, I don't think people realize and I, I have to imagine and correct me if I'm wrong, that probably some of the goal of the work you're doing is being able to educate sex oh, workers yeah. in particular on how to be careful about these sorts of things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which um, then play to the rest of society too. Right. And that, that's actually, I meant to say earlier, another thing that hacking hustling has been incredible about is giving safety tips. And I mean, not just for sex workers, but for protesters, for instance, or uh, undocumented people, um, you know, anyone who doesn't need to be surveyed by the state. Um, Oh, I was gonna. So, I mean, so sex workers are so so often referred to uh, in like tech spaces as the the canaries in the coal mine, and it's a really apt metaphor. But I don't think people really think too much what that metaphor means, because um, you know the it hinges on the fact that the canary dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, the metaphor is that the canary is singing and singing and singing, and then it's not singing anymore, and that's how you know that you need to get the fuck out of the coal mine. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's it's an apt metaphor in one way and others it's not since we're, you know, we're so shadow banned also that we might be singing and screaming and whatever the fuck and people can't hear us regardless. So, you know, I guess, I guess that actually is 
pretty apt for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it, you've just expanded the metaphor even more. Yeah. yeah like, give it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, tech is full of awful metaphors like that, where we use metaphors and we don't really think about like, okay, what does that actually mean in the real world? Where did that come from? I mean, I can think right. of a lot of them just off the top of my head. And it's like, and yeah. I'm like from a blue collar family. So I'm like, oh yeah, canary of the corn mine. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I mean, like, and then the canary dies. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's a commonly yeah. used term, not just, you know, I mean, in right, this sense, right, obviously right, right. within tech, it's used all over the place. We talk about canary tokens that, you know, we in security right. leverage to know when we're being attacked and, and things right. of that nature. So yeah. um, it, it's, it, hell, we have a, a tech company named after this concept. So <laughs> You know, there's that too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Um, no, seriously though, it's so, I mean, as, as you look at this, I, I can't even imagine the complexity, but how do you, how much does that taboo also limit the amount of research you're able to do? Because I can think about um, parallels. Well, I can say that I've been, you know, um, like just informally, unofficially, whatever, doing this research just to keep myself safe for 15 years. Um, you know, I was just writing about this the other day. I remember when I was in college, um, the, there was some picture of like, there, there was some like adult content, um, like some details on it. Anyway, someone under it posted like, oh, is this and put my um, like government name on there. And the reason I found it is because it came up on my Google results. And it wasn't me. It, it was some, you know, content creator but you know it started popping up in like the image and you know of course this was 20 some years ago whatever so um google isn't quite or wasn't quite what it is now but um you know i've been i guess teaching myself so that shit like that um doesn't you know ruin my vanilla career um but you know i can also say that since so i now you know i work uh with ucla and i've i've worked with nyu um, I can say that if I um, reach out to some or if a journalist, let's say, as Dr. Olivia Snow, um, and I'm coming from a at UCLA.edu email or at NYU.edu, then I'm going to, you know, people are going to see the prestige in that and take me seriously. If they get an email from Mistress Snow at ProtonMail.com, they're <laughs> going to be like, who is this hooker? Like, what? Um, and and think it's a joke not even like think like oh this person isn't a serious researcher or like oh this, this they'll think it's like a prank like like that I, i'm trying to fuck with them yeah yeah um so i mean i'd say the stigma uh very much <laughs> keeps you know the research uh, or makes research difficult you know like even um I think there are a few other workers who who have uh, academic positions. I think of like Lorelai Lee. Um, they're a uh, porn performer. Um, Danielle Blunt. She's another dominatrix. Bardo Smith, another dominatrix who worked, you know, with Cornell or Harvard or whatever. Um, and one thing I realized when I started doing this work was like, shit, I need a first name. <laughs> <laughs> like even just being like hi i'm snow like that's not a name that's a weather event you know like i <laughs> um like and mistress blunt too she goes by danielle blunt um so you know like olivia here um you know even a few days ago i had some 
you know, I'm, I'm forever besieged by stalkers and doxers of academia, a lot in medieval Twitter, really, weirdly, there, there's something's fucked up in the water of medieval Twitter. Um, but just a couple days ago, I saw some of them saying like, well, Olivia Snow is her fake name that she uses to contact institutions. And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of. I do indeed contact it. <laughs> like, that's why I use this name. So institutions will listen to me. <laughs> like, <sighs> it's, yeah, correct. Correct response. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, it's dumbfounding. I just, the, the way people look at it. I mean, one of the things I really love about even just your, your Twitter handle. I mean, like the juxtaposition, as some would see it, and admittedly, as we're conditioned to see it, of mistress and PhD. Like, which of you know was by design because I, oh, I have no doubt <laughs> like fucking with people <laughs> i mean throw it in their face sometimes that's what's needed right it's i mean a great it, marketing be, tool you know it, it 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 challenges all these really weird uh you know preconceptions yeah. that we have and well and that like even I, I had, I had no idea how many uh, academic sex workers were before I went. Fire. I'm not even the only Mistress Snow PhD. There is another one. <laughs> Her PhD is in chemistry, if I recall correctly, and she works in Los Angeles. Oh, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I didn't see us going this route today, but okay. Right. <laughs> is it, or like, you know, I get emails from tenured professors at. Uh, like top research institutions who will be like, oh yeah, I did. I did. I domed when I was in graduate school. So thanks for writing this. And I'll be like, I have your book. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> we're everywhere. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Like, we, yeah, I, we, even other academic sex workers don't expect to see that many other academic sex workers. Sure. Yeah. But that but that's because of what we and and the stories we tell about who sex workers are and and even just in that itself, and this is getting a little meta, but you know, just like okay, well, sex workers are bad because they're these kind of people, but these kind of people, however we define that in and of itself is so shitty to say that that, that right. inherently is a bad person. Like, no. Well, and, and you know what? We don't say that. It's so gender. We don't say that. We'll say that about drug users, right? But we don't say that about drug dealers. We're not like, oh, that. I, or I mean, maybe we do, but it, it's kind of it's like a different conversation. We can think of someone like, oh, of course they had to turn to criminalize labor to support a family to raise their kids to send their kids to school. People don't say that about sex workers. <laughs> no, and and I mean, you know, some of it's criminalized. A lot of it isn't, and that's oh the yeah, thing, oh right. Like, I mean. Make Exactly zero difference. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and and that, that's what's crazy to me because I, I, I can think of how many people I know who've been engaged in you know different areas of sex work who did it to put themselves through school or whatever else or food on just did it because – sugar yeah. specifically just to like get a meal like a meal at a nice restaurant <laughs> like literally food on the table is the, the what i'm you know getting but um yeah you know i remember when i when i was you know battling my former mentor however many years ago um i i tried i'm like how can i make horophobia work for me um so i was like well you know doming's not even illegal it's not like i'm not an escort um but like it's totally it's totally fine. It's, it, it, guess how effective that was? <laughs> it's not because no, yeah, no, it, it not all gets lumped in the same. 
I mean, which is ridiculous. And the other thing is even like that weird, like, well, they were forced to do that because they had no other options. Maybe that's what they enjoy doing. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't be legitimized by like necessity. Like that, that shouldn't be survival sex work and, you know, sex work that people don't actually want to do is it shouldn't be, you know, the way that we, we, uh, accept it morally. Right. And this is where, like, now I'm uh, wrapping things all around because that's what I do on this show. It's like, (laughs) so now it's like, Like it's changing those perceptions first and foremost is like so much a part of what has to happen just to get tech to even start to see and care about the fact that these things that we create are being abused in these ways and literally creating major safety issues. But like my argument with Apple, for instance, one of the, again, if people who follow me on Twitter know I went, I've been really strongly uh, vocal about the whole um, air tag situation. Oh my God. And the obvious stalking implications that, they were even made aware of before those things were released and they did some, but they really, I mean, they didn't put adequate in my opinion, attention. Well, clearly, on, <laughs> you know, well, clearly, because yeah, it's been abused yeah. for exactly the purpose that everybody said it was going to be abused for. And, you know, I just, I, I, and I guess I'm, I'm curious in, in your, as someone who's directly impacted by it in a very sensitive fashion, um, so maybe more so than like just even, uh, you know, any other woman out there who's, you know, maybe doesn't have that same threat model. Where do you see the line as far as these tech companies and the level to which they should be going versus what they are going today to protect people from abuses? Maybe those people might not be paying users of their product. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um Oh, that um, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, they're not. They're they're not. They don't no, give a shit. Not. They don't. They could not care less until they have to. They they're they're doing as little as possible. Um, and I mean, I can't think of an. I, I know I have like an example on the tip of my tongue that I'm like not getting. But you know, the fact that they know this, they'll they'll you know, like oh okay, we hear you. <laughs> and then, you know, I was thinking like, um, and, and this, this sounds tangential, but it'll come back around. Um, I think, you know, I've pitched a bunch of uh, publications to write about like why tech workers need to listen to sex workers um, to, you know, for, for human rights issues and privacy issues. And I've been turned down pretty, let's say three times off the top of my head, I've been turned down by publication. And within a month, there is another article written by a non-sex worker about why tech workers need to listen to sex workers and i'm like what did i just fucking tell you (laughs) oh my god where did you get that idea wow Hmm, wonder (laughs) um and you know of course you you can't get it right because you know that's a certain level of lived experience that you're not gonna ever think about you know like for instance, I, I have two phones. I have a work phone and I have my personal phone. I um, I used to be better at this, but I've gotten kind of lazy. But like, you know, I know don't don't have them on the same Wi-Fi network ever. Don't have them turned on at the same time ever. Don't like have them next to each other. Um, you know, these are things that a sex worker is going to know and maybe like a spy 
but <laughs> like beyond that, you know, and, and, and T tech isn't even tech is interested i think in saying that they're listening to sex workers and getting the the clout and the you know social justice points of listening to sex workers but they, they are they are absolutely not doing that so you said something i'm actually curious about you said sex workers would know that is it that prevalent or do you feel like there's actually like a lot a, a wide swath of that industry we still need to connect to and actually educate on these topics? Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I'd say the majority of, and I don't have the you know data on this. I'd say the majority. Well, of course, because it's so difficult to get the data on this because it's fucking criminalized. Right. Um, but the majority of sex workers aren't like career workers. You know, it, it tends to be you know a night off or like a night here, a night there you know, I need to afford X and I can't, I'm stuck at so-and-so's house and I don't know how to get home. Uh, um, you know, so that, that, you know, is transactional sex might not be sex work. Um, so, you know, of course that's not going to be in the, uh, you know, on the forefront of, of just like a casual worker's mind, um, especially, or, you know, a lot of workers, especially the most precarious of us, like, don't even have one cell phone, let alone like two. Um, but uh, no, I would say, yeah, no, you're the, the, the reason that I have these, you know, to take these precautions is because I do this research and because I have been in this industry for quite a long time. Um, yeah, which is also why I need to listen to sex workers. <laughs> Um, because yeah, no, you're right that, that most workers aren't, aren't going, going we, to know that. Someone we're who... like plaster that on a sign somewhere. Like I'm, <laughs> well, I'm ready to go buy a billboard and just say tech needs to listen to sex work. Well, I mean, the sex worker who's going to be like, dear wired, my name is Dr. Livia Snow. Like, I, you know, I'm going to know that information. The ones who, yeah. you know, who's like reaching out to these tech companies. <laughs> but, um, but seriously though, I mean, I, and again, it, it's, it's not just, but it is exceptionally important, first of all, to protect sex workers because of the way that these abuses impact them. But the value, because, you know, another, when we're talking about building bridges with these organizations and trying to get them to hear us, you got to tell them why, what's in it for them. The value of understanding those threat models and how right. that plays out in this technology, because I can tell you, the things you just talked about, how you treat your burner phone and everything else, there's a lot of people in tech who have burner phones who don't understand the concepts that you were just describing. Because that, like, we're the ones who are immediately experiencing the cross-platform surveillance. Yeah. Um, well, and I was saying, like, I, you know, I don't try to get these, like, publications or whatever, like, for my health, health or, you know, to put on my CV or whatever, like, I have this information, but there are a lot of workers who do not, who are going to suffer because they don't have it and they're not going to get it. You know, like it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like save myself here. Um, you know, and I know we're, we're kind of uh, hitting, we're kind of running out of time, but um, you know, I think as far as, you know, why tech companies need to worry, you know, FOSTA-SESTA and y'all know that, so FOSTA-SESTA is this, uh, legislation that passed in 2018 um, that really uh, it uh, was kind of like the first real challenge to Section 230 and holds uh, platforms accountable for what they call prostitution. Um, 
on the platforms. So, um, and you know, that, could, that pro- prostitution could mean fucking anything. Um, but that really gave uh, these companies the green light to just kick sex workers off and then, you know, say that they're stopping trafficking or whatever. Um, but, you know, if you really look at the, that the, the verbiage of the law, which is just a incredible demented ass document, um, a lot of these tech companies could really be putting themselves at risk of like a sex trafficking felony charge by not being proactive about sex workers' privacy. And I don't, you know, that FOSTA, SESTA, they see, you know, we're, we're just uh, like the collateral damage of FOSTA, SESTA. We get kicked off Twitter. We get, you know, we lose Backpage, whatever the fuck. But, um, you know, it really, it, it's, they, they, these tech companies don't escape liability by booting us off. Right. And if you look at the legislation, um, then their kind of laissez-faire attitude, I'm thinking of like Twitter specifically because they actually tolerate us, um, can often put us at more risk um, of of stuff like trafficking Um, in in such a way that like the steps that they are taking to be in compliance um, by entirely throwing sex workers under the bus because they don't give a fuck about trafficking. They don't care. They care about getting sued. Um, could actually be like really implicating them in this. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it, that's the thing that, I, wow, it, it just feels like, holy shit, here's some real value again, because I'm always thinking, like, how do I get the business to listen? I have to talk dollars and cents. So, and the potential of lawsuits and things is always a big hammer to swing. So I'm, I'm, as I was listening, you talk about it that even I'm thinking like, wow, I hope there's some corporate lawyers listening. Well, you know, like Twitter doesn't consider government name doxing, right? So if someone puts my government name next to Mistress Snow and then they Google that name and then they find out exactly where I'm teaching and when, because I'm still a professor. And then, you know, I face whatever type of violence Sounds like <laughs> that tech company is implicated under FOSS assessment. Right. And yeah. and so, I mean, these are, you know, I mean, thankfully it looks like Elon Musk isn't going to buy Twitter now. So I'm glad that that's not going to happen. But fucker. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at where that could have headed us, right? Like the, the absolute just disaster that that could have I mean. Done. Just I'm, the and the mass exodus of good employees from Twitter who are like, peace, fuck that, I'm not working with him. And like that, I if I ever see them, yeah. Oh, I, I I promise you, you are definitely one of millions in that camp. Yeah, but, I'm taking uh, one of his eyeballs with me. No way, I should. <laughs> no, we're not. You're kidding. <laughs> we're not actually. Uh, we're not supporting violence here unless it's you know consensual. consensual. Yes, always consensual. Then, then yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, unfortunately, as you pointed out, we're actually ra- bumping right up against time. Man, that that went by fast. Right. Um, <laughs> there's so much more. I feel like I can learn from you. There's definitely so much more the tech industry can learn from you, and you know, from and sexual, you know, a lot general. of yeah, a lot of us have a lot. You know, I have my you know specific expertise, but yeah, no, there's a lot of shit that um, people are going to find out about, but not until it's too late. So if you could give people, last question, if you could give people one place to go, one idea, one thing that they can do 
thinking in terms of probably tech, you know, because most a lot of our viewers are going to be from the tech industry. Mm-hmm. What can they do to help get the rest of tech to listen? Oh, um, well, you know, I think the only reason tech listens to me is because I have institutional backing, even with a PhD in my, you know, the letters after my name, they don't give a, like, right. You know, they're, yeah. They're, um, and I think to platform workers, even shit as simple as give as having an institutional email address has made a world of difference. And that's fucking ridiculous. Especially because I already have a bunch of institutional email addresses. They're just under my government name. <laughs> but like um, giving institutional um, backing, uh, institutional funding if possible. Um, but, you know, tech workers have, cl- I mean, have clout and um that you know uh we we may may not think of themselves as, ha- as having clout and be like well i'm just an engineer and i only make eighty thousand dollars whatever you still have a billion times more clout than the average sex worker who probably knows more about your job than you do <laughs> and perhaps might also have a degree in engineering um so you know putting your uh it's your you know job not job security but the institutional backing on the line um to uplift you know other voices that aren't going to be heard otherwise even just to say like yo i have this friend um who has some you know really great insights about this uh maybe we can bring her on as you know an advisor or whatever um and like i hate that it's it to to get the in the um the structural um bias to change it has to happen on this stupid privileged interpersonal level um, where, you know, people with power talk to people they know personally and get them into power. And then at that point, we can actually start making some kind of structural moves. Okay. Well, cool. So, and I mean, that's a story we hear a lot. Um, honestly, like people, when you have that, that I I hate to use this term because everybody, they turn off them and you use the term, but privilege of being well, yeah. in a position like that, use that freaking privilege. I mean, yeah, oh, no, like I'm in an extremely privileged position <laughs> because I have this institutional backing, because I have a PhD, because I'm yeah. a white woman. Like, yeah, no, there, there's, which, yeah, people need to be less, um, you know, guilty about doing, less, you know, loathe to admit that like, no, it's, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just Well, it might mean you're a bad person if you keep on being fucking weird about it. <laughs> like, but, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, unfortunately, I got to wrap things up. <laughs> like I said, I know we could go on for like probably in a, in a few hours. And I think I've Easily. said that at, all, at the end of almost every episode. But I, <laughs> honestly, this has been great. So and I mean it every time I say it because, yeah, these have been excellent. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, really appreciate your openness and willing to <laughs> Thank you for highlight some me. issues that are critically important. So, very cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll happen to you next. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Talk about there too. Um, I laugh to keep from. I don't even know what. I- <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, uh, recordings are available immediately after. Be available on podcast format in a few days. Check out your favorite podcast platform. I think we're on just about all of them. Um, keep coming back. We've got awesome guests lined up for the next foreseeable future i guess including i'll drop this little nugget we have a super exciting guest that will be doing live from rsa 
in a couple weeks. So uh, if you're gonna be at RSA, reach out, let me know. Otherwise, be sure to check out the live stream that week. Um, I believe it'll be June 8th, if I remember right, I think it's the Wednesday that week. So we'll be uh, broadcasting live a super really cool guest again, like all the others we've had. Um, so, so keep your eyes out, but hopefully we'll see you next week. Dr. Olivia Snow, thank you so much for joining us and take care. We'll see you next time on Securing Bridges. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Securing Bridges podcast with Alyssa Miller. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.